like to, to like the singles soundtrack for its own specific genre. Not not in the way that singles was like the coming of grunge, but in the way that this is the reemergence of like pop rock and college rock after some really dark years. And I think it's just it's so much fun, and it's it's a it's a great soundtrack to a fault in that some of these bands are going to be defined by this soundtrack and nothing more, which is a tragedy, but like, it just comes with the territory. But like that, that, that one shining moment, like a, like a shooting star was gorgeous. For me too, it's, you have two conversations with the soundtrack because you have the music that is in the movies and then the stuff that actually ended up on the soundtrack that they released because Uh there are some bigger named needle drops in the movie that are not on the soundtrack because there's no way in hell they were going to get the rights to it. And I find that to be even more enticing because then you, you get to have two very different experiences when you're listening to the music of empire records you either have the soundtrack that feels like very very curated um, and very intentional and it's also a little bit scrappier because there's not a lot of big names on it Um, Mm -hmm. and then you have all of the music of empire records which also has some like very weird inclusions because you'll have like a very 90s band like the gin blossoms and you're like oh this is great and then you'll have like ACDC and Guar and the Buggles like showing up for a cup of coffee and it's like oh that's very different than like the 90s sound but it all just works yeah and I, I will um, I tweeted it out and I'll tweet it again I put together a uh, on Spotify a playlist of all the music so like not just the soundtrack but all the music that appears in uh, in the movie and yet you're right like it is there's no way they're gonna get all, all of this on, on that soundtrack but it's just it's such a like I would love to find the person you know or the people the team that put together the music because clearly it was a passion project when, when it came to that and they clearly they, they sought out music people. And mm-hmm. it's just such a, I mean, just going through and you're watching it so I could listen for those songs. It was such a discovery. You're like, oh my God. Like, I, I forgot that that was, and it's a little, you know, snippet, but it is it's such a weird cross section. Anytime you can have Dire Straits and Guar in the same conversation, <laughs> it's a weird one. It's a weird thing to like wrap my head around. Um, and so like, it, again, like it's, there's so many great songs. And so I like, and you know, I want to talk, you know, have, I think everyone that I've talked to about this has a song that really, you know, kind of hits them kind of, you know, they hold on to. So I just kind of want to go around and like, and talk about like, what is the song for you that, you know, your favorite song from the movie and kind of why it resonated and, you know, even talk about maybe the scene it's from and just uh, kind of, you know, kind of focus on that so uh, i will let uh you two spar it out to see who goes first uh i can i can go first because i'm the i'm the obvious one and i have no qualms admitting that it's the obvious one and i don't care um and that's something i think that is also very empire records is that although this is about a bunch of teens who work or you know young adults that work at a record store they're not afraid to be like hey here's a pretty well-known song it's awesome who cares? Like it's, they're not all like these weirdo hipster snobs, which I really like. Um, So that's why I have no problem admitting that till I hear it from you by the gin blossoms is my favorite song in the soundtrack. I am a very easy mark for the gin blossoms. (laughs) They are the last, uh, one of the last bands that I saw before I moved out of Chicago over to Cleveland and they were incredible live, even in like, you know, 20, I don't know, 
17. I don't know how long I lived there. That's incorrect. I was definitely there beforehand. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it was a really, really great show and it was really fun. And when they played that, we all kind of geeked out because, you know, it's the Empire Records song. Um, but I think that this song, it just really matches the energy of this movie. It sets the tone. This is the song they ended up using for the trailer. Um, and I, it just, it captures this movie. And this is a song that I will forever associate with the movie. And so it gives me good feelings. It gives me all of the same fuzzies that Empire Records, the movie does. So screw it. I don't care if it's obvious. I love it. <laughs> and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And so let's play a little bit of, you know, till a year from you, the gin blossoms who I actually, I'm probably going to see this summer because they're touring with the bare naked ladies. Cause if that's not an obvious 40 year old white guy <laughs> who likes IPA kind of concert, I don't know what the fuck is, but uh, here's a little bit of the gin blossoms. I don't think anyone can be in a bad mood when they listen to the gin blossoms or I feel like it's just, I don't also like, I can't imagine anyone being like mad with the gin blossoms to right. <laughs> like, to me, like, so like when, when, when my wife and I, we went to uh, Costa Rica for our honeymoon and the, the guy explained to us like, we don't have a national defense because everyone loves Costa Rica. No one's mad at Costa Rica. Same thing with the gin blossoms. No one's mad at the gin blossoms. No one's like, oh, God, the goddamn gin blossoms. Like, maybe there's some weird, like, breakup story or whatever. But, like, overall, like, I don't think anyone's, like, no one's sworn at me you know, are those guys, I would hope. I would, oh, yeah. Someone has a breakup story about it. That's not the gin blossoms' fault. That's, that's exactly <laughs> correct. They need to direct their anger at who they're really mad at. That is, that is exactly <laughs> correct. It is, it's just, ah, uh, it's it just like, I don't know. So about that, the, their music is just so comforting and soothing. And it also, it just, it takes me right back to the nineties. It takes me right back to, I'm in Mount Pleasant, Michigan at the malt shop trying to hit on college girls, even though I'm not in college and failing spectacularly. And, uh, <laughs> this is the saddest thing ever. Um, but that's an entire different, uh, podcast and, or my therapy session, which is, Hey, sometimes it can be both. Sometimes it, it, podcast is therapy. It, oh, it really is. Believe me. It really, <laughs> lately it really has been. Um, but no, and it's just, I will say, so I wanted to touch on one thing about you guys touched on, uh, on your episode, whoever cut the trailers for these movies, I hope they're no longer in the business. Right. Holy shit. The trailer like, for this movie, it like, I don't what it's, potpourri like it's visual potpourri and you have no idea what the tone of this movie is you have no real idea of what the story is or how they all intersect like you kind of do but not really it, it just doesn't it doesn't work and I feel like the movie suffered because of it and as we know this movie made 
no money. Yeah. Just, oh, I don't like, I just, I mean, you know, after I listened to your episode and I went back and rewatched it, I'm like, it's just like, I, I understand like, there are some trailers to give away everything. This is like, why? That's not the movie. Like, is the, mm-hmm. and like, I know, and like, there are different cuts of this movie. I don't want to see that cut of the movie because that is a depressing fucking movie. <laughs> like, that's awful. Yeah. It's, it feels like they're trying to get on the teen, the teen drama of television where it's like, we're going to beat, we're going to cut Dawson's Creek off at the pass. Like this is our attempt at being that kind of a drama. And that's just not what this movie is. So I almost wonder if the, if like the 12 dozen people that actually went and saw this movie in theaters, were they satisfied walking out knowing that that's what they were going to see, or at least thinking that's what they were going to see? Yeah, that's, oh, that must've been such a weird experience to like, going and the first time i saw this movie was playing it was playing on tv i was still living at home i was it probably was like 98 99 and it was just like on randomly late at night when we got cable and i was like what the fuck is this i'd never heard of it and that was back in the day like when the big thing to do in rural michigan was go see every single movie that came out so this one slipped under the radar and Mm -hmm. it's just uh yeah that's trailers are uh, an art that I wish I had. I do not have. And that person did not either. Huh. <laughs> so Harmony, what was, uh, what is your pick here? Gosh, if like you asked me to pick one song and I had to, I had to hum and ha so much because th- like a lot of the best set piece songs are the legacy acts that don't make the soundtrack. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to pick any of those, even though I do love the use of the buggles. Um, so then it's like, well, there's some really good covers on here. Like that Gen X and that big star cover are really, really good. Um, I also really like, I don't want to live today cause that scene's really tight. And I like everyone kind of doing their thing together, but I'm just going to bookend this like with BJ and pick the other obvious choice, which is sugar high because so good though. It's so good. And like, I have frustrations with it because the movie version is so much better than the soundtrack version. Like Renee Zellweger adds so much to this song and just like puts it over the top. And it feels like this anthemic celebration with so much energy and the studio version on the soundtrack just doesn't quite have it. It's like, I would be very satisfied if that was the only version I had. Like I'd be like, oh, this is great but I've tasted excess. I've, I've tasted like something heavenly <laughs> and I don't, don't get it. <laughs> it is so weird to me that like they did not release a version of the song with, with Renee. Like, I don't understand that. It's, and then like they tried to like shoehorn the lead singer in to the, the movie and he's fucking mm-hmm. terrible. He's just, like, he, that's why like he didn't make a lot of the movie, like you know, the extended cause he's in there, but he's very, light in the theatrical cut. And yeah, like I totally agree. I, I listened to the, obviously the soundtrack again this week and I was, I forgotten that the studio version didn't have her. I'm like, I'm, I'm like waiting. I'm waiting. I'm, oh, where the fuck's her name? Oh no, that's just the movie. I have to go to mm-hmm. YouTube and like YouTube the clip or, but yeah, I agree. It's so much better. And I don't understand yeah. why they didn't do that. I don't know. I'm assuming that they probably just like, did it quick and dirty and like didn't have like a, a master version of the version with Renee maybe that would be like suitable for a soundtrack. I don't know. But like even just like the name of Sugar High feels so perfect for like this heroic everything's going to be okay finale of this movie because they're all young. Like 
they don't get me wrong. They're like, there's some riffraff kids. Like there's some riffraff, like older 20 somethings, but like they're still young and they can still revel in like this youthful feeling of, of, of hope that I am too old to feel, but I'm really romantic about it. Watching empire records. I agree. And it just, it's, uh, it is really such an iconic scene and iconic closing to the, to the movie. So here is, and also if you could have put a gun to my head, I love this album. I love this movie for the name of the band <laughs> gun to my head. I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I'll see you across the rainbow bridge. So it is coyote <laughs> shivers, which no one knows except the people in coyote shivers. So here's a little well, it's bit. It's one guy. <laughs> Oh, that's right. It is one guy. That's, that's just, just Burko, his name. That's his name. <laughs> that's yeah, his name is name. Coyote. Sh- well, yeah, it's a stage name. Um, but what's wild too is he was married to Liv Tyler's mom at the time. Weird. Anyway, that's a fun fact y'all can put in your pocket. So wait, Liv Tyler, oh, we need to talk about Liv Tyler's mom's taste in men like real quick because <laughs> I don't know if there was anyone between... <laughs> Steven Tyler and Burko or Coyote Shivers, but she's got a type. She's got mm-hmm. a type. And I'm not going to kink shame here because, you know, we're positive. So here's a little bit of Coyote Shivers Sugar High. They all said she's just another groupie slut. But I thought you were anything but And again, sometimes reputations outlive their applications Sometimes fires don't go out when you're done playing with them What feels so funny deep inside When you kiss me goodbye Sugar high Sugar You know, it kind of makes sense now that he was dating someone like that with some power. Cause like, I get, I love the song. It is a, it, it's a weird song. He's, and it's a, mm-hmm. he's a weird dude. Burko was a weird yeah. dude. He, he's doing like a, a sort of Iggy pop thing with his voice. Yeah. And Iggy did kind of ugly music by design. So it worked for him, but this is like a poppy song. And then it just, it's, it's not bad. It's just odd. Yes. Agreed. It is. And I just looked up his, uh, at least on Spotify, not a lot, not a lot of content from uh, Mr. Shivers. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, good for him. Like he gets the royalty on Rampire Records, which is, I, I, I also, I found out is also free to watch on YouTube. <laughs> I was yeah, this, I'm not surprised. I feel like whoever is the rights holder to this movie at this point has no problem just kind of dumping it randomly on streaming. Um, I'm going to be surprised if it's still available this weekend when it is Rex Manning Day, because this is usually whenever there's like an anniversary or like a specific holiday that is very close to what a movie is, 
that's when they'll pull it and make it so that you have to pay to rent to watch it. Um, it happens every year on Halloween. All the Halloween movies usually go away and you have to pay for them. Uh, a lot of Christmas movies, same thing. So I'm curious if it's going to be there for Rex Manning Day or if we're all going to go try to watch it this weekend and Hulu or whatever is going to be like, just kidding, not available. And that's smart. It's evil, but it's smart. And it's just, uh, you know, but and like streaming rights and all that stuff to me is such a weird thing. Like I, uh, I, I, I the, the, the popped in my head that Kevin Smith just put out a, like, like a, an update on the possibility of dogma coming back to him in some way, shape or form. And, uh-huh. uh, man, streaming rights. I, I tell you, like for the longest time, I thought people like, 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 you know, Westington with all of his physical media, but, uh, man, I was wrong on that one. I, uh, sold a lot of things that I wish I had. Um, cause like I had, a, I had a, like an extended co- copy of, uh, Empire Records with like all the cuts and I let that go for either. I just gave it away or lost it a move or sold it. And mm-hmm. like, damn it. I, I think we've all purged at some point. There's a lot of things I've sold over just the years and gone, oh shit, I'm an idiot. But especially when it comes to like Miramax and any of those like Weinstein subsidiaries, there's a lot of movies that are just lost in the ether because of the Weinstein of it all, Weinstein of it all. Um, Heavenly Creatures is another really good one that just doesn't exist out there. Mm. Um, a, a very good friend of mine, Katie Seavey, who used to bartend back at the side quest, actually just shipped me a physical copy of Dogma because she's like, yeah, I've got two because, you know, me and Kevin Smith know each other and whatever. So here, I'm going to just send you one. And I'm like, Katie, that's so nice because it's like a $50 DVD. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I was just at the exchange. Uh, a little bit ago in Lakewood and uh, yeah, it was like jacked up. I mean, I get it, but like still, damn. Yeah. yeah it's, the, the, it's tough stuff. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the packaging for the special edition is real tight. Cause it's got this sleeve and then you pull out the plastic part and it's shaped and styled to look like a Bible. Like oh, it's kind of awesome. That's fantastic. Um, so I, I gotta love that. And I just, I love the entire end scene and, Mark and oh god, my, my love of Mark. Uh, so <laughs> I'm gonna break my like I, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, to me, like it's not on the soundtrack, and it goes on to like one of those songs that we're never gonna get for the soundtrack. And again, it's a very well known song. But uh, if you want blood, to me is so, like I think that is the scene I like, remember. Like I, was, I had it on the background, and that came on. And it's you know, a little bit into the movie. But it's just it just grabs me, and I just I love that scene, and it's just I have such love for that song, and it became a, a big song with, with my group of friends, and it is just again like like it's they were not afraid to like yeah everyone fucking knows AD, ACDC they're a big band we're gonna have Coyote Shivers and ACDC we're gonna like span the you know the entire rack of things much like a record store which is I'm sure somewhere someone's like, Oh, that's what we'll do. It'll be like working in a record store. It's super meta or they just like the song. So, and I just like the entire scene is, is great. I just, I love it. Joe, um, oh, I, I, I could, I could watch the scene over and over again. I definitely uh, was at lunch and uh, I was in my office and I had my headphones on and I was watching it and a kid walked in and he's like, what are you watching? And I'm like, Empire Records. Can I watch? No. No, you cannot. I should not be watching this here. You're definitely not going to watch it now because I don't need that on my conscience. But 
uh, here's just a little bit of if you want blood because it's just, I mean, Bon Scott, you are missed every day. Something I've been doing at work at a couple of the sites is uh, doing some music appreciation because my uh, my mom just gave me a bunch of her old records and record player, and I played some ACDC, and the kids were like, why is that man shouting so much? I'm like, well... <laughs> I mean, that's just what Bond does. <laughs> I mean, that's what every singer of ACDC does. But, yes. Like, uh, I don't know if it's controversial to say anymore. I don't I don't know what, what hills people are willing to die on for ACDC because this is like a 40-year-old fight at this point, but... Bon Scott era to ACDC, it's the it's the best. Agreed, agreed. I mean, like not even like Brian Johnson definitely has like there are some good Brian Johnson songs, but I mean Bon Scott was just, oh yeah, yeah. There, I would agree some, with that. There's something. Bon, first of all, Bon was like way older than the rest of the people in that band. I think he was like 35, and everyone else was in their like mid 20s. But there is something about like the power of just youth that comes with being like a young, angry, hungry band that ACDC was in those early days. And I think that that sort of works for what Joe is as a person who's now aging and the fact that he's working with children. I It all feels like really smart in a way that I'm not sure they intended. I agree. That's, oh, that, that really works. And it's, I think out of all the ACDC songs they could have picked, I think that was also just a, such a good one and, Oh God! It's just, I like I would have I would I would love to know more about Joe. Like I feel like I, this movie obviously the the kids were more of the, the focus, but uh, he's got a very interesting backstory that I would have loved to uh to know more about. So let's get the prequel. Let's get the like the, the HBO Plus series, the prequel of Joe. Um, it'll be canceled after one season, but I'll watch it. <laughs> I would love that because Joe's the coolest. Definitely. Well, speaking of Joe too. Uh, a question that I would love to pose to everybody. So when we first see Joe and he has his big dramatic like zoom push in on his face after he realizes, you know, what Lucas is up to the song, Hey Joe by the Dirt Clods plays, which is like kind of a deep cut, like an extremely deep cut. Do you think that was planned or do you think some music person Googled songs about guys named Joe and found it? <laughs> That's a Probably, very good question. And they were like, Who's the cheapest band we can get? <laughs> it's like, we, because it works so nicely that that like that zoom in on him and it just goes like, hey, Joe. And it's like, where did you find this? This is great. Also, they didn't have Google back then. So somebody really put in some work. Yeah. Well, that mm -hmm. or like they were like someone's cousins. Like, hey, I got a song about Joe. Like, I need you to get this in here. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, no, that's that's 
that is also like being a and R or being in like in the job of picking music for movies back in like the eighties, nineties, seventies before Google, like, damn, like that had to be like triple hard. Like that's like nowadays you could just, you know, there's so much access to music. Like I can't imagine like some of these bands that were at, at the time smaller finding them and be like, yeah, this will work. This will, like, this will totally go into this movie. Mm-hmm. From what I've learned, cause I've done, um, a a bit of research on this sort of thing just for pieces that I've written in the past. And a lot of times, uh, if you were a music supervisor, you were somebody who also um, had either very close connections with record companies or you were from that world. Um, So a lot of times you kind of had the ins with the people and you just talk to them directly, which I think is really fascinating. Um, But then I know nowadays, you know, like you said, it's, it's, you know, you can find bands on Spotify and shout them out. I know that's what uh, Sean Baker did for Tangerine. A lot of those bands, he just found them on like SoundCloud and Bandcamp and they had like 500 listeners and he's like, well, this is what I want. So I'm going to give you money for this. Um, And I think that's really fascinating. I also learned recently that Krista Miller, uh, the wife of Bill Lawrence, who's, you know, on shows like Scrubs and Shrinking and Cougar Town and all that. She's been Mm -hmm. doing the music supervision for Shrinking and Ted Lasso and a ton of TV shows. Like that's what she does when she's not acting. And that is the coolest shit to me. I would love that job. I like to me, that doesn't seem like a real job, but I know it's a very hard job. And like, also, can we just like, a, a brief aside? Shrinking, holy fuck! Oh my god, it's so good! Such a good, good. Show. <laughs> oh my god, shrinking is so good. I I love Bill Lawrence and what he does. It's so any good. any show that starts with Ben Gibbard, like I'm doomed. Like I'm gonna, <laughs> this is gonna be my new favorite show immediately. Oh god, it's. <laughs> The, aside to the aside, this year, obviously, like, you know, uh, they're going on, on tour with the Postal Service um, and I, they're not coming anywhere near. I think clo- I think Chicago is the closest. And it's like, come on. Like, I'm so close. I am very happy. I got to see the Postal Service when they played Lollapalooza in 2013. But, like, yeah, like hearing Ben Gibbard and like just like I, I was skeptical of Harrison Ford because I just he's so grumbly at this point. Like he's such a, like, but he's, he works so well and Jason Siegel is so good. It's just such an amazing show. And I'm, I want it back. I want it back now, but Mm -hmm. it's just, Oh, it's so good. If you haven't watched. I mean, Harrison Ford, like, I I think he's been kind of low key for a long time. He just kind of pops up and does things when he wants to, because that man never has to work another day in his life. He's, He's fucking Han Solo and in Indiana Jones. Like yeah. that man just wants to fly his planes and occasionally crash his planes and just mind his business. True. But God, casting grumpy Harrison Ford where he's allowed to have fun and be grumpy. Oh, it's so perfect. Uh, I could, I could rewatch the episode where, where he took the gummy. Just uh-huh. uh, like, I want to get Harrison Ford high. I want to know what that's like. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's exactly like it was on the show. I hope he just like he just gets a bag him. of Doritos and just chills. <laughs> he's like, fucking Star Wars is stupid. Like, just like, just it says random things. Like, that would just be, uh, it's I, like, I, I, I was so, I'm not skeptical, but like when, when Apple got into like the, the making shows and movies game, but like they, they, they do it really well. They seem to do it really, really well. And, what I'm saying is they should bring, uh, you guys should actually, I want you two to, to bring Empire Records as a show to Apple TV. So if th- th- that's the announcement, guys. We're actually, 
you guys are having your show. This is going to happen and it's going to be great, right? This is happening. This is, I'm willing it into existence. Therefore it'll happen. Look, I, I mean, all I want is I want my, my warriors prequel series and I want an empire record series and then I'm happy. That's all I need in life. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I feel like that's the right kind of move. Like, especially for empire records, it's like, what do you need? One location and just some, some actors who might be no names at the time. That doesn't sound like an expensive show to make. No, and like the Just '90s are, are are so retro now that, which is a horrific thing to say, because um, I, I was like thinking like a modern day a modern version of Empire Records would be, it wouldn't be. <laughs> there, there, there's no like like trying to like show the kids like you know here's what a record is. Oh, it's like a big CD that my grandpa has. Like, no, um, that would be. Interesting. So I, I guess before we, we kind of go, like just when it comes to the overall soundtrack and just kind of talking about the sound, like, I guess if you had to place this, you know, or like, you know, when it comes to 90s soundtracks or just kind of overall opinion of the soundtrack, like just kind of what are your overall final thoughts on empire records and like, how, you know, do you think it serves the, you know, the kind of the, the entire movie itself. Do you think it, it, it benefits the movie? Like, I guess, what are your final thoughts when it comes to the soundtrack? I think it's a perfect fit. Um, like this is exactly what the soundtrack is supposed to be. Um, and the fact that it does feature so many artists that are a little bit more underground that are a little, you know, they never really got their time to shine. I think works with the film's legacy as well because this was not a a financial success by any stretch of the imagination and it has only gotten longevity by pure will of its fandom and <laughs> i think there's something inherently punk rock about that um and while there isn't any like you know by definition punk songs really on this soundtrack i think the soundtrack as a whole feels really punk um in its energy in its attitude and in the fact that it is forcing people to <laughs> to allow it to stay relevant uh when nobody did at the time and i think that's really cool yeah and i i, I think thinking about it in terms of how modern soundtracks are done it's so easy to just Google a song that you want to be in a movie. And as long as you have the, like the licensing money, which is a lot, you can get a, you can get a, a song for your show or your movie, but in the nineties, uh, it, it started to kind of peter out in the two thousands, but in the nineties and in the eighties, it's like both soundtracks were made up of kind of no name artists with like maybe someone that we look back on and go, Oh yeah, no, the cranberries, they're a big deal. They weren't a big deal at the time. That's the thing. And it's 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 fresh and it's exciting and i'm really bad at making lists and stacking like this against other 90 soundtracks because i'm sitting here going like i don't know i really like the adventureland soundtrack and all these other 2000 soundtracks but i don't i don't have all of them it's it's it's, it's really good it's up there with the jawbreaker soundtrack i don't know but yeah it's it's just it's a really tight it's a really tight piece of music that is really solid for its time and holds up really well. And it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful little time capsule. I, I think you could have been like, it's tight and been done and you'd have been fine. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's easy. We don't, we don't do things easy here. And, um, but no, I agree. And I think like, I feel that this movie itself ages fairly well. I mean, obviously it's, you know, 
very foreign to like, you know, a Gen Zer, but I feel like you're rewatching it. It's set, it's very 90s, but it also, it doesn't feel insanely dated. And also just like, I don't know, something about it doesn't, it's a different than a lot of movies in the, from the 90s, especially the early 90s. And uh, the soundtrack, yeah, it just is such, uh, I don't know, it, 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 like you said, it fits it perfectly and it had to. I think if the soundtrack would have been bad, it, I don't think it would have ruined the movie, but especially a movie about a record store, you had to have a good soundtrack. And clearly the people that made this movie understood that. And it's a shame that it did not get its flowers when it first came out. But obviously now, you know, every, every year you always see Rex Manning Day, uh, you know, tw- trend. And then you're like, what the fuck's Rex Manning Day? And then you have all those conversations. But it's just, it's, it's nice to know that it's still going strong all these years later. Uh, so... Thank you guys for coming on. Let's do all of the plugsy plugs of all the things that the people can can follow and they can support and all that good stuff. You can follow our podcast. This ends at prom, uh, wherever you get your podcast, but we are on social media on Twitter and Instagram at this ends at prom. We also have a Patreon, uh, where we have lots of really cool stuff over there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok that I sort of use, but don't really use anymore. Um, at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. I have started working again for the first time in like 10 months. So I'm not, I I wasn't online much to begin with, but I'm online less now. Instead, I'm spending my time teaching people how to throw axes. So yeah. (laughs) See, my part of my brain's like, oh, you got a job at an axe throwing place. Other part of me is like vampire hunter, which is. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, if Tom <laughs> one, Petty is to one, be believed, then the other. <laughs> yeah, if Tom Petty's to be believed, there are vampires in Los Angeles. So, I mean, mm-hmm. all those damn vampires. That's true. Well, that is awesome. <laughs> please, folks, please, please, please. You know, for if you're listening to this podcast, I you should have been listening to the Sons of Prom. It is a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic podcast, and I do not just say that because I, I am I am friends with these folks. It is a really, really good podcast. I, I love when I've talked to people in, in out in the wild and I'll start talking about podcasts and then I'll mention you guys' this podcast. So, oh, I love that podcast or like, oh, this is a great movie podcast to listen to. You probably never heard of it. It's like, I have heard of it and I know the hosts. And, <laughs> but that makes me so happy. It's like, yes. And like, I, I you know, will talk about it and I swear to you, like a couple of weeks ago, we started talking about podcasts and I had mentioned, uh, you know, oh, podcast. And then we got talking about like your guys' podcast. And like, oh yeah, didn't you say you have a podcast? I'm like, I do. Their more is more consistent than mine. So listen to their podcast because mine um, it's come and goes lately. But um, but no, I'm just I'm so happy. Like when I've seen you guys, you know, you know, on like the Apple lists, it's so well deserved, and I just uh, it makes me I can't wait until you know the, the show, and then you people you know the, the rise, and then for some reason people start hating you for all your success. You know that's where we, we want to go. We want to get to that to that part. Or the, the tours, because it'd be nice to see a tour of a podcast that's not a murder podcast. That would be super <laughs> awesome. No hate at all the murder podcast. I would love that kind of money, but uh, let's not do that. Um, and then, obviously, if you want to, you know, follow this podcast, um, you know, Biff Radio on Twitter, Biff under Biff Radio One on Instagram, Biff underscore Radio on TikTok, Jabroni U. Please follow all the Jabroni U folks. Follow, you know, this. Uh, also, also the sentence prom. But uh, follow the draft pod, whatever meat, ceramic cat. Which since I have you both here, 
I would love to know your thoughts on Ceramic Cat. Oh, God. my God. It's, it's <laughs> like Audio terrorism? Yeah, it's like a sleep paralysis demon is licking my toes. <laughs> Why would you say that? He's going to think that's a compliment. Like, he's going to love, that's going to be the new tagline for his I mean, that, show. Yep. That's, it's all perspective, you know? Yeah, that's, uh, it's... Uh, I mean, I, I I feel like I encourage it a little bit because I still have this. I'm gonna chase! Yeah! It's, but it's just like, I listen to that. And I'm like, I have never done LSD, uh, but, and I really don't think he has, but it's audio. Yeah, it's audio LSD, but in the best way possible. Um, but also when he becomes like a, a super famous rock star, musician, wrestler, whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll go back to that and like, hey, remember when you had a podcast and you were insane? Um, <laughs> I do love, however, like when like the, the worlds collide and you like Ceramic Cat pops up in the middle of Why Did We Ever Meet? Um, it's just like it. I, I can feel and I can see the vein on Wes's neck grow on audio form. And it's, it's lovely. It's just lovely. Um, uh, just the way that he's always like son, <laughs> like he just, the disapproving father of it, who's not going to stop him, but he's going to express his disappointment. It's just so good. Um, so yes. Uh, so please, please, please um, you know, follow everyone on, on, on the socials. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's reached, been reaching out. I am better ish. I'm on the road to better uh, mental health is not something that, you know, is going to be a fix all. Believe me, I wish it was, but uh, things like this, uh, you know, having things to look forward to, to talking to friends and talking about movies and music. I love always helps. So thank you for all the well wishes. Uh, we will see everyone next week. Uh, yeah. Thank you everyone so much. And we are going to go out with, um, you know what? We're going to go out with the ballad of El Gordo because I enjoy this song. It's from the soundtrack. It's Evan Dando. Here's a little bit of the ballad of El Gordo. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Years ago, my heart was set to live. Whoa.